Hey everyone, this is Jake McGrew, lead pastor here at Hope City Church, along with my wife, Jenny. And welcome to Hope Talks, a new short form conversation we're hosting just for you. Our desire is to take a few minutes and talk with different people discussing relevant issues and help bring some wisdom and understanding from a biblical point of view. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Hope Talks. Hey guys, we just want to welcome you on the Hope City podcast. We're, we're kind of excited today because we're going to start doing something new called Hope Talks. And Hope Talks will be just a podcast here and there of just little interjections between Sundays and just talking about certain things that are happening in life, issues, conversations that come up that we feel that perhaps could help you. So I'm super honored and excited. And this is going to be so fun to have my father-in-law, Phil, no, his name's David, <laughs> David McGrew. And many of you listening to this would know who David is. And um, myself, along with countless, countless others, have so much honor and hold him in high esteem just for the endless uh, self-sacrificing contribution him and Jean, my mother-in-law, continue to make towards the body of Christ. So David, I'm so thankful you're on here today. I'm thankful to be here, and I really appreciate those things. So, treasure those thoughts in my heart, Jennifer. Yeah, it's gonna be so fun, and you know, we're just gonna have a conversation today about a conversation that David and I were having mm, probably two or three weeks back, and you know, we're just talking about life and society today and culture, and you know, we talked a bit about social media, and I don't necessarily want to make this whole talk today about social media, but it, I think we could more nail it down to, we were talking about soul capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to open up with something that I read uh, from a friend on social media. He, uh, friends of ours that we met in Calgary years ago, and they're now working at Bethel Church in Reading. He's a videographer. And he said this, I, th I just thought he said it really well. And, and what I heard was, I just, I heard a heart of this generation. And he said, I've been challenging myself to seek presence and silence more in my life, realizing there's power in saying no to the endless barrage of digital distractions. Over the last year, I found myself more anxious, stressed, and short-tempered with the little things that never bothered me in my past. My rewired brain of social media po podcasts, Netflix and YouTube, had become ever consuming. Recognizing this has helped me as I evaluate the person I want to become. It's always an interesting journey of self-discovery, becoming more like Jesus. Christ-like means more time with him, not just more time reading about him. Slow the pace, say no to the hustle, and hurry this year. And so, you know, he was talking a lot about social media and those distractions, but at, at the heart of that, what he's really talking to about, I believe, is the capacity of his soul and the capacity of one's soul. So I just want to open it up for you to talk about things that you've been carrying in your heart and your spirit this season um, pertaining to this. Okay. Um, Jenny, I think that... Uh, while it may seem too simplistic, 
there aren't any real deep rivers and shallow and, and wide rivers. You can be you can be one or the other. And there are so many things that stimulate. There are so many things that are reaching for our mind, reaching for our affections, that they seem good on the surface. And if we just reach out and allow ourselves to try to get absorbed by everything that's going on or be involved in everything that's going on without learning how to say no, then what you end up with are a lot of dissimilar pieces. They're all shiny and they're precious in themselves, but you can't assemble them and make anything valuable out of it. So there's no doubt to me, at least, that, that a person has a limited amount of soul at any given time, like they have a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. And somewhere those two ideas connect. But if you spend all of your time on flashy, close in things, you'll never really be able to develop your relationship, particularly with the Lord, because you don't find the Lord so much in the hustle and the bustle, like your friend said. You find the Lord in those quiet moments when you're alone with yourself mm-hmm. and you find yourself having to, to take off, take out some of the things that are in your heart, and in your head. A number of years back, I remember reading about the word confusion and it, and it just dropped into my mind that the word confusion meant too much fused together. Mm-hmm. And we tend to think that confusion is resolved when we get more information. Usually confusion comes from having too much information. Right. You have to learn how to uh, separate what you're supposed to keep and what you're not supposed to have. And I know that like in the ministry, everybody will lean on you and push towards you and, and they, they, they want something from you. Uh, you want something from them perhaps, but uh, too much, too much is too much. Yeah. Too much is too much. And you can end up not being able to carry anything properly. You right. can't pray it through. You can't think it through. You can't talk it through. It's just always hanging in the background about half complete. Right. So you were, you, when we were talking about this the other day, you were talking about, um, perhaps we were talking about social media and scrolling, maybe not scrolling per se, but you had, you had made the remark of there's only so many people that we can follow. There's only so many quotes (laughs) we can read, you know, um, but, but what happens is, is in following, I don't, I'm not sure how to say this really well, and perhaps you can say it better in a moment, but perhaps in all the followings, um, we are following some of the right things or the righteous things, but there's stuff in there that, you know, perhaps wasn't from the Lord. Um, and I had made the comment earlier before we started here, but if we're following everything, perhaps what we end up is, is receiving nothing. Yeah, yeah, perhaps you can you. say that in a better way. I think you said it very well, but that that is uh, that's the gist of it. You know, in, in a world that wasn't like this when I started out as a believer, or you know, certainly not in the ministry, you you really couldn't just jump on an airplane and go to a meeting any week you wanted to. Right. You didn't have electronic access to information. There were no electronics to speak of. The, the information wasn't available. So in the world that that we came out of, we would happily go to a conference once a year because it was a chance to see people that we hadn't been able to communicate with. Even talking on the phone was hard and expensive. 
we had been able to communicate with them. We received information that we were probably starving for, but there's a glut of information and there's a glut of relationship. And one of the lost arts, one of the lost disciplines is in learning how to say no. I, I won't go to that meeting, though I really would like to go to that meeting. Mm -hmm. No, I won't. I won't pursue that relationship, though it's a lovely relationship. It might even open doors for me or I might open doors for them. But to do so will require me to take my focus, take my time and spend it someplace other than where I really should. You have limited soulish currency. Mm -hmm. to invest yourself in any one given minute and you have to be able to tell yourself no so you can go ahead and spend it where you're supposed to spend it and sometimes sometimes the stuff on the peripheral looks like it's it's hot it's moving and you can mm -hmm. go be involved you can learn a lot but how do you know it's really the stuff you're supposed to learn right how do you how do you know other than your time with the lord that those are the people that you're supposed to actually be connected to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the people you're supposed to connect with, the relationships you're supposed to build, aren't always that attractive. They're not always that attractive. They're not always that easy to attain. So the only place that's remedied is in the crucible of a person's intimate relationship with the Lord. Like you have to have, you have to have quiet time. Yeah. You have to have some quiet time. And I would say, that as I talk to people, most of them don't have quiet time. Most of them relish the idea of being busy. Uh, they still have bought into the idea that they can multitask, mm -hmm. but everybody really knows that to multitask, you can tell it in your own soul to, you might be able to be faintly aware two things are going on at once, but to really pay attention to one, you have to disconnect from the other and then reconnect. Right. You have to go back and forth, turning the system off and on to really be fully engaged with it. And multitasking looks like it's important. It looks busy. It looks like you're, you're staying hip. You know what's going on. You're staying, you're staying informed, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, you end up at the end of the day, having done much perhaps, but still having done little, having accomplished little, mm -hmm. uh, you still end up knowing a lot of people. Uh, one of the things that I hear often and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bone I, I want to chew, but, but, uh, you hear people calling each other friend. Yeah. And, and, uh, friends, friends are more than having friendly relationships. That's right. You want to say something? No, I'm saying that's right. Uh, I can admit, I know a lot of people who are friendly to me. Some of those people I wish were my friends. Sometimes they call me friends, but you don't really know if someone is a friend unless you, one of the two of you gets into some kind of a jam where somebody has to sacrifice something for the good of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have to sacrifice their own choice, their feelings. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's money. You, you can't have a lot of friends. I don't know. I guess everyone has got a capacity that's, that differs, but I would think that if you could go through life and probably have a dozen friends, mm -hmm. you've had a very rich and a very full life. I think if you had more than 
four or five at one time. That's uh, that's about really all you can you can carry as friends. You can be friendly to hundreds, mm-hmm. but you can't carry them all. Right. Yeah. And I I listen. I I try to discern what I think they mean out of it. Sometimes they just use it in the in the general sense, like you know they're being friendly. They 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 mean it like that. Other times I don't think that they can really draw the distinction. And the ones that draw the distinction. Those are the ones that you want in your corner when uh, when the going gets tough, when it's uphill, when you get confused. And I guess I guess the two thoughts of my own mind come together in this idea that that friends don't just happen because you meet someone. Friends are not something in your life just because you like someone. They're not your friend because they admire you or you admire them. Friendship you could go back and find a very strong biblical base for it. Friends are people that make sacrifices for other people that, that pay a price to hold on to that relationship. And it's hard. It's often hard to say that person's not supposed to be my friend. This person over here is, this is not supposed to be my ministry. This over here is. And again, as simplistic as it probably sounds, the only way you know that is number one by trial and error, but that trial and error reflected back in the mirror of your intimate walk with the Lord when He speaks to you, when He talks to you, when He can tell you why something worked and why it didn't work. Right, right. Like David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan came to mind. They did. Mm-hmm. It cost it cost Jonathan a lot for David to be king. There was a yeah. sacrifice there. Huge. Yeah. yeah. It did. And. He could have been forgiven to have been a very typical male, even in today's world, and to have done whatever he had to do to get the kingship for himself. Right. But, but he, he was able to recognize and admit to himself that the grace wasn't on him to be king, that it was on someone else to be king. Right. This, this conversation's gotten very big. And I'm having a lot of, um, yeah, no, it's good. I'm having, a, I'm having a lot of thoughts, but I'm just allowing the spirit of God just to take conversation in this direction because obviously there's people that are going to listen to this, that God is trying to show them something, Yeah, you know, yeah. through this, I believe in the name of Jesus that will help yeah. them. You know, I, I think so often we, we sit in our own lives and we're looking at other people's lives too. And we could be saying, what's the matter with me? Mm-hmm. You know, but the truth is, is that the grace that one person has isn't the grace that another person has. And we have to come to terms with who God has called us to be, who God has created us to be and who he hasn't called us to be. That's who right. Hasn't created us to be and, That's right. and be okay with it and, and just wipe the slate clean and just, you know, and, and it's coming to those moments of, um, you know, coming, sitting down at the feet of Jesus continuously and surrendering and just saying, God, whatever you want me to do, whoever you want me to be, I just want to be like you. I just want to do what you're calling me to do. And that sounds really simplistic. Um, and it is, but it isn't. The, the longer I'm a, a Christian, the more simplistic my understanding becomes. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for clever insights and, and new directions. The more I realize that it is 
just because something simple doesn't make it easy. Right. And that it is, it is as simple as living your external relationships through the lens of your relationship with the Lord. Right. Today, there's a lot of eye candy and ear candy screaming at you saying, come this way, taste this, you'll like it. But it, it tends to absorb your heart and it absorbs your mind. So there's going to be a lot of us that go to face the Lord on that dreadful day. Probably all of us on some level in this decade, this century, having have to, to face the fact within ourselves that all of our busyness wasn't necessarily from him. Right. Not all of our achievements achievements mm -hmm. were necessarily at his call or his request mm -hmm. that that we probably rather like don quixote found ourselves slashing at windmills that uh, really really weren't our battles to fight really weren't right. our journeys to go on mm -hmm. that's a sobering thought for me at 67 years of age yeah i bet i yeah, bet it is I, I think of things like that pretty much every day uh, you know, and, and, and life is good. I'm happy. Don't misunderstand me. I've got friends. I've, I've got friends and I've got other people I'm friendly to. And I try not to treat them any differently than I would anyone else. I've got people that I would like to go from being friendly and to turning into friends. But I know that it's not within my power to make it so. Mm -hmm. And you have to say, and this is the will of the Lord. And it is good in my eyes. Right. I can't chase after people. I can't let people chase after me. I have to. I have to find the pathway I'm supposed to be on. You said it so so eloquently a moment ago. You said part of finding the grace of who you are isn't being able to see the grace that you don't have. That's that's grown-up talk right there, I think. Yeah. And those are coming to Jesus moments. They are. You know? But until until I, I think until we come to that place where um, how did Corey Ten Boom say that? She said, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. That's right. And I think it's in those moments that you are just so humbled. For That's me, right. it, it's looked like seasons of just crying out before God that you really realize that you need God. You, you need him so desperately in your life that you don't want anything but what he wants. So you're just like, take it all. I've tried it my way. It really didn't turn out well. It actually went up in flames. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, but those are the humbling and sober moments of where I, I believe the place of true identity can begin to be formed. And just saying, Jesus, make me more like you. What do you want? I, th I think uh, you stumbled upon the thought there is that, that uh, quoted Corey Tim Boom, you won't know he's all you need till he's all you've got. That means you have to come to an end of yourself. And that means you have to come to an end of expecting somebody else to be for you what you don't have. And with all of the potential to reach out and grasp other people, other information, another book, another seminar, another relationship, it keeps that hope alive that even though I can't quite tumble to what it is I should do or the way I should do it. There's probably somebody in my pathway that'll know. 
it's a, it's a sober moment when you come to the place where you realize that while everybody's walked this way before, nobody's really walked it in your shoes and your time, and that that there isn't anyone who can take responsibility for your life, that there's nothing you can resolve by yourself. Right. You just have to have the very, again, simplistic wisdom of God on how to put one foot in front of the other. Right. Right. So we've been touching on certain words. I've just been writing down certain words that keep coming up. Um, one of them was sacrifice, uh, which which was standing out to me. And then one was soul. And then I was thinking about the spirit. And Jake and I have been doing these classes called Grow yeah. in church. Um, we're just about to, in a couple of weeks here, uh, launch Grow 201 with our ministry students from last year and then our Grow 101 students. Um, but what's really interesting and what really stood out to me was there's a generation and there was even above 40 people that did not know the difference between their soul and spirit. And that's a problem. And um, so we're, we're talking about all these things. Um, but I, I, I think I'd be amiss if before we wrapped up here today that we didn't just touch on this and just assume that everyone has that foundation in their life of, hey, what's the difference between your soul and what's the difference between your spirit? Because even in the case of you're talking about David and Jonathan, if, if, if Jonathan, and you know, we, we don't hear about the Holy Spirit then, but didn't choose to walk after the things of God and, 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 and do what was right, it, or if he chose to live after his soul, you know, God's will wouldn't have been done. But we have this generation and, and, I want, and, and, you know, for all of those who are listening, I just want you to know that every, every time that we use the word generation, a biblical definition of a generation is a group of people living on a planet, on the planet at the same time. That's a scriptural definition of generation. So it's not this group and that group and that group. So, yeah. so when I say generation, I mean, all of us, there's a generation that are just so starving that we will stop at nothing. You know, we're not, we're not even thinking in terms of separating the wheat from the chaff in our life. We're just happy to crunch on chaff because we're just, we are just, I've been thinking a lot about that this week. We are just so hungry. So if you could just for a moment um, help us people uh, just know the difference between our soul and our spirit and how that plays uh. into this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair thought. Uh, when you began to talk, my own born-again experience immediately jumped out to me. And we know from Hebrews chapter 4 that only the Word of God can divide soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. So I suspect it's like rivers flowing into the ocean. They can, they can test fresh water. They can taste fresh water, sometimes 200 miles offshore from the, from the Amazon River out into the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. Where it goes, where it blends is kind of foggy and maybe even a bit different from everybody else. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 that only the Word of God can discern it. But when I got born again, I felt like a thousand pounds was taken off my shoulder. My mind did not change. My mind, in some ways, still thinks 
like it did the day I got born again. All the battles I fought, all the issues I had, they're now like trenches in a warfare. They're grown over, they look like a lovely cemetery, but they're still places where the water runs when it rains in my life that would tempt me and cause me to try and think the same way. So Paul talked about it in Romans 7. He talked about the flesh. He talked about the spirit. He talked about it. I think he used the word mind in that sense. Your heart, your spirit, your inner man is that eternal part of you that gets born again is it instantly changed. Your flesh is never going to change. It's always going to hunger for what it shouldn't have. The battle's fought in your soul. It's in your emotions, your mind, your will, even in your intellect. It's in that interface between the outer man and the inner man where all the fruit of your life is born, where all of the decisions are made, where all of the, the follow-through leads you to good places or bad places. And that's why it says in uh, Romans that you have to be not well it says in Romans be renewed in your mind but it says in, in Ephesians be renewed in the spirit of your mind truthfully you can't even renew your only mind o only God can actually renew your mind you put the information in there but it's only him that can take it and cause that spirit of life on the inside of you born in your spirit of your spirit of his spirit to kind of bubble up and integrate itself and mix and eventually eventually no, very, very seldom in one time, but eventually permeate into your personality, into your being, and change who you are. It's clear that there are three, at least three, big components of man, spirit, soul, and body. It is hard to say where one loses control and the other one takes over, but you can see the basic tendency as a Christian to feed yourself in the things of God, to feed yourself on the word, have that life flow up, permeate your personality, I'll say for a moment, flow through that and affect what you do with this outer man, what you eat, where you go, what you flavor, what you what your appetite is. Yeah. It's it's a huge question. It's a huge question that probably we should spend just about every day trying to trying to separate. Well, is that really God talking to me? Because you can convince yourself God's talking when God's not talking at all. You can convince yourself you're being led or being forbidden to do something. Well, it's nothing more than your own fears or your own, your own appetites in your right. soul. Right. Yeah. Those who are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's you know, right. you can just hear such a cry from the heart of the father to, you know, you're hearing a lot of words like right now, awaken. And arise and i'm old enough now to have heard these now through the course of generations um pardon me through the course of um decades actually but it, it's coming up again and you can just hear god calling people to this place of maturity but that place of maturity just comes back to us sitting at the feet of jesus you know I, we had a friend write us a couple days ago and he said he said you guys he said i'm learning the difference he said can i be honest and he said I'm learning to the difference between what loneliness and what, um, um, did he say isolation? No, he said seclusion, like secluding himself with Jesus, you know, what the difference was. And 
um, we have to take moments, um, not just in this time, but all the days of our life, to sit at the feet of Jesus, put out the noise, um, allow him to come in and speak the things to our heart, the things we want to hear, the things we don't want to hear, so that we will become more like him. We're not in a hurry. We are not in a hustle. And, you know, it is about being the tortoise, you know, tortoises. Maybe I should write a book called Tortoises for Jesus, you know, but we will get there. You know, there is no arrival. You know, I think we're always looking for this pot of gold and I'll finally get there and I'll finally get there. But, you know, like Jesus said, just come and sit at my feet and learn of me. You know, what I have is good and and it's enough. It's, it's enough. There's no fast answer to this. And we live in a world where fast answers seem like they should be our entitled right. And that's probably the, the greatest bane to, to developing a relationship with the Lord for most of us is it's not quick and it requires loneliness. It requires, your friend said seclusion and that's, that's the better choice of word but you'd be mistaken not to f- think that seclusion did not have a temptation of loneliness. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I can remember, um, my goodness, Harris, our friend Harris down in Arkansas. Tracy? Yeah, Tracy. He had given Jake and myself a word years ago, and he said, and though at times lonely, you're never alone. Yeah. And, you know, people get pumped sometimes about prophetic words, and I thought, oh, man, you know. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, we, we need yeah. those seasons. No, let's not come more right like there. him. Let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the problem good. is we take the wrong path. <laughs> That's right. We, you know, we just, we want all the good and we just want all the bad to go away, but we embrace right. everything to become right. who God's called us to be. Okay. Yeah. We got, we got two more minutes here. Just one final thought from you to wrap this up. Last word. Um, Last word about about uh, about your soul, about distractions, about about wasting the space that you have in your head. When you go into eternity, your works have gone before you. Some follow after. What you take across that line is that person you've created yourself to be. Do not let anyone else frivolously easily decide who you should be that's exactly what happens when you go spending all of your time pursuing the activities of life is you are slowly but persistently relinquishing the control of your future being to someone else's voice and someone else's mind no matter how well intentioned they may be they're going to make you into a modeled quilt. I forgot the right word, but you're going to be a multicolored coat. And you might be beautiful to behold with the human eye, but you might not be the person you were created to become before you stepped into eternity. So learn how to tell yourself yes when you don't want to hear it. Learn how to tell yourself no when you don't want to hear it. Take responsibility for who you become. That's a good note to end on. Thank you, David. 
Thank you, ma'am. We bless you guys and your journeys in Ontario these next few weeks. And uh, thank you. I will see you next week. Well, there you have it, friends. We hope you enjoyed our short conversation and that God spoke to you through it, bringing hope, healing, and life. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message and share any thoughts or questions you'd like to hear us discuss on an upcoming episode of Hope Talks. And lastly, if what you heard today helped you, consider rating and reviewing the podcast to help get the word out to others. Until next time, friends, keep pressing into all God has for you, and we hope to see you soon.